hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, I'm Simon Sweetman, and this is the first podcast back. Uh, it's the first chat that you'll hear from me in uh, two months, and of course you'll know the reason why. Uh, when the lockdown happened, um, I was scheduled to speak to someone that day, and uh, and obviously that didn't happen. And that guest, she's just come around, her name's Freya Daly Sagrove, and you'll hear that in a couple of weeks. Uh, she, she emailed me and said, oh, well, do you want to do this via uh, Zoom or Skype or something, or should we just wait and see what happens and I'll see you on the other side? And I kind of made the decision um, then and there on the spot, yeah, I'm not going to go down the Zoom path uh, that other people do, because I like, I like talking to people in person most times. I say that in the conversation you're about to hear is a phone conversation, but uh, I have put a couple of phone interviews up, but um, I normally like meeting people and talking to them, and I didn't want to go down the, the road of doing the Zoom Skype thing because that would change the podcast, uh, I think. Maybe for better, but we won't know. I wanted to keep it the way I've been doing it. And, uh, you know, why not have a break? There was obviously the other thing that happened very quickly in that moment was uh, it was time to just sort of realise that your little indulgences like inviting people around and having a big big old chat and expecting people to listen to them, uh, that was that was over and it was time to focus on uh, just getting the house in order and going for walks with the dog and with my boy and doing some homeschooling for him and me both. Uh, yeah, so that's what that's what I did during lockdown and I won't bore you with... Uh, with the stories, but uh, we, we survived and we had we had a lot of fun and we were very lucky um, in our situation. My, my life wasn't too much different. I just didn't get to do podcasts and apart from that, and I didn't have to do school drop-offs and pickups. Apart from that, most of the things I did were the same. Um, but we're out, we're out the other side for now and hopefully for a while and uh, maybe forever. And so I wanted to return two podcasts and as I mentioned Freya came around just the other day and you'll hear that soon. I also have a couple of conversations that I had already recorded um, that I could have put out during the lockdown but I, I wanted to wait. I wanted I didn't want to stop and start. So I had eight or nine weeks off uh, putting these podcasts out into the world and now I hope to be back and putting them out once a week as I was before. Uh, the other thing that happened that I got started to get worried about was the last episode you heard, uh, if you heard it, was with journalist Mike White. Uh, within a day or so of him, uh, well, within a day or so of that podcast going up, he had lost his job at North and South, the one that he spoke of at length in that podcast, saying how lucky he was to have one of the great last jobs in journalism in New Zealand. Now, that was not his fault and it was not the fault of the podcast, but I thought, man, if I'm going to have to keep explaining things in the intro... Uh, because the next podcast I had lined up was with David Cormack, uh, which you will get to hear. But in that, he talks about being lucky to have a, a role at the Herald as a columnist that won't always last. And of course, as one of the casualties of uh, the journalist and journalism cutting back uh, during the pandemic and the lockdown, he too has lost that position. That wasn't the only reason I was talking to him. In fact, that's a small small part of our conversation, so that will, will re likely remain in the conversation. But I thought, there we go. I'm just going every week. I'm going to have to be explaining. Oh, since lockdown, this has happened. So I just wanted to disappear from the podcasting realm and um, and come back. Um, 
I signed a book deal uh, in the in the lockdown um, for a volume of poetry that'll be coming out in October uh, of this year, um, and it is called the the book is going to be called the Death of Music Journalism. Uh, it's a book of poems that I've been have been working on for a while, and um, that'll come out with the Cuba Press. So that's really probably the only thing I feel like telling you about about my life uh, outside of this podcast. Now, just a very short one to get you back into it. This is a, a 17 minute phoner I had with Nick Lowe, the uh, wonderful singer songwriter, record producer, uh, the the author of amazing songs such as What's So Funny About Peace, Love and Understanding that is most famous for its Elvis Costello version and The Beast in Me, which is most famous for its, its Johnny Cash version. Uh, Nick Lowe, in fact, wrote that song for Johnny Cash and he details that story in this phone interview. Um, I spoke to Nick uh, in March. He was about to play in Auckland uh, with, with the band Lost Straight Jackets. Um, I didn't unfortunately get up to see that show, would have loved to have seen it, um, but I have seen Nick Lowe once before, he played in Wellington a few years ago with Ry Cooter. I'm a big fan so I jumped at the chance to talk to him, unfortunately um, the interview happened when he was in Melbourne uh, and within a, a couple of days later he was in Auckland playing so I had no time to write it up, this was going to be an old fashioned write it up phoner just a 15 minute phoner but I, I like this conversation he was lovely to talk to it was a great pleasure and honor to talk to him and I think there's enough in here for you uh, obviously the tour dates are irrelevant that's been and gone that's happened um, but and me asking him about the show is somewhat irrelevant but uh, we really talk about um, just some snapshots and highlights from his songwriting career which I think people will want to hear he's told them before uh, Better interviewers have asked him about them in better ways and he will have gone into more depth elsewhere. I don't think I got anything new out of him at all. But he was affable as I expected him to be and, and beyond that. He was he was uh, smart and uh, funny and interesting and kind and um, I feel like this is a nice way to just get back into sharing these conversations. So next week a normal uh, supersized full length conversation either with Freya or uh, David Cormack or the other one that I have in the can is uh, with the brilliant actor and musician and uh, children's entertainer and early childhood teacher Karen O'Leary who you know from um, Wellington Paranormal and what we do in the shadows uh, that was a cool conversation to have uh, you probably know her from some of her other ventures now she um, again this was recorded before lockdown but she became one of the teaching faces and voices for people with um, kids at home uh, on the free to air uh, education channel shows so maybe you know her from that but she's very passionate about um, early childhood uh, education so that's that's her main job acting is something that she's fallen into on the back of getting cast and what we do um, in the shadows and then obviously the Wellington Paranormal show that's been a hit on the back of that so a conversation with her is coming up those are the only ones that I've got recorded now so I can mention all of those to you a um, couple of other phoners that I've got in my archives that I might share with you and obviously looking for new people to talk to and booking people to speak with and meet and share conversations with them but for right now uh, welcome back from lockdown to your normal life or uh, this new version of your normal life and um, I'm glad to be sending the podcast back out in the world this I think is episode 214 it is me talking briefly with the legendary musician and singer songwriter uh, the UK Nick Love oh, I can take another heartache 
Hello. Hi, is this Nick? Speaking. Nick, it's Simon speaking from Wellington in New Zealand. How are you doing? I'm very well indeed, thank you. How are you today? I'm great. Whereabouts are you? Are you in Melbourne? In Melbourne, yeah. Ah, okay. Have you, have you played there yet or is it tonight? Have, have, should we say it again? Have you played there yet or is it tonight? It's tonight, oh, yeah, it's tonight. How, how are the shows going? Well, we've only done one, in fact. Um, this is right at the uh, start of the tour. And uh, we played in Sydney the night before last, and it was um, it was really fantastic. Yeah. Brilliant crowd. It was beautiful. Brilliant, brilliant. Now, I mean, I know the simple answer about you and the straight jackets is you're kind of on the same label and um, there's a you know management connection, but is it that simple? Is that how you guys got together? Um, well, I, I have known them for a long time, uh, uh, since, I don't know, sometime in the 1980s, I suppose. Right. Um, and, uh, but it is only, only recently we got together because I put a, a Christmas record out, and which did really pretty well, in, certainly in the United States. Yeah. But before I could go and sort of promote it, um, <clears throat> two of the key members of my group and also two very close friends of mine as well um, both died one after the other and uh, it sort of took the wind out of my sails uh, somewhat um, but uh, you know Christmas record it comes around every year you know yeah, <laughs> so, <yeah>. uh, <laughs> after a couple of years it was suggested that I might go and do some shows and play some, some of the tracks on the record with the straitjackets so we yeah. put together a a Christmas show, pretty much a Christmas show, barely a Christmas show, I should say. Yeah. Uh, and we did that, but it was a lot of fun. You know, we, we really enjoyed it. But after two or three years, we thought that was enough. And, um, but then we started to get offers to do out-of-season work. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and that's when it really started uh, getting in gear then. Yeah, so yeah, we, yeah. We've, we've been doing it for sort of a few years now. It's funny, the, the, the themes in your career are of this kind of reluctant performer almost, or reluctant frontman, you know, you sort of start off in groups and then move into a production role, but all the while, I don't know, what, what is it? The songs keep asking to be performed by you. Well, um, I suppose uh, uh, I, I realised that you know, fairly early on that I, I was in this for the long haul, you know, but, um, uh, it's, so I had to figure out a way of, uh, you know, I, I, I'm in it for the long haul, but I don't think I'm, I'm one of those, uh, you know, I haven't got what it takes to be a, a, a serious pop star, you know, like an Elton John or Cher or someone like that, yeah, yeah. you know, whose car careers seem to span the decades. I haven't got what it takes to do that. So I had to figure out a way of, you know, you stick your head up here and then as soon as people start noticing, you just pull it back down again. You know, you just <laughs> don't don't ever quite go there, you know. Yeah. And uh, in, in that way, I've managed to carry on doing it for, um, for 50 years. Well, yes, but I mean, one of the reasons you've managed to carry on doing it is you're, is you're very good at what you do. I mean, you've got runs on the board, right? A song like uh, Peace, Love and Understanding, I imagine you, you know, you kind of wish in a way that wasn't relevant anymore, but it's pretty amazing that it still is. Yes, you make a very good point. Yes, yes, it's, um, you do, you do, you know, part, part, part of you 
makes you wish for a time when no one would really need to hear that song again and then another part of you thinks well not bad you know to have one of those because <laughs> yeah. it, it's been done by so many people you know it's yes. been covered by so many people now it almost feels like I didn't have anything to do with it and yeah but of course your your uh, fingerprints are all over the song not just in writing it but I guess the the most famous version of it as part of your early kind of producing work right so yes what? Yes, yeah, what's uh, so, you're, even, so you're always connected to that song, even if it was only ever done that one time. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you're talking about Elvis's version, are you? Yes, yeah. Yes, well, he he definitely rescued it from the uh, waste paper <laughs> bin. You know, after after our group, it was uh, you know it was a Brunsy Schwartz yes, song. Yes, yes. And after our group broke up, like like all you know all groups in that situation you know your material your tunes generally go in the bin you know that's it yeah, you yeah. Do, do something else but he he was a fan of the Brinses. he used to come and see us and he um it was he who said uh, i, I want to do that uh, that Brinsley song ah. because up, up till then he only he only recorded his own songs yes. so of course i didn't object but he but he's the one who really the hurt on it, you know, and made mm. made people sit up and take notice, and made made it a classic. Really, I always think that um, songwriters, very good songwriters, tend to do very good covers. And Elvis is a, you know, I mean, he's done plenty of great covers, hasn't he? Yes, he has. Yeah, I, I think it's very, I think it's very important to do uh, to do covers. I, you know, I, I always try and put one or two on on my records and I certainly do covers when I play live I think mm. it's uh, I think it rounds things out a bit well it's 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 uh, showing the audience what you're interested in and where you've come from a little bit too isn't it and where some of your songs might have even come from like some of the yeah I think so it puts another yes it puts another facet on it yeah yeah definitely. yeah yeah and tell me I mean um, you you know if we're going to talk about famous covers of your songs, uh, what about uh, Johnny Cash and the Beast and Me? Yes, well, that um, yes, there, thereby hangs a tale. Of course, I, I, I wrote that song for him, or yes. I thought I'd written it for him, and <laughs> yeah. um, it took me a long time to finish it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what was the? I mean, I know the connection. I know that he was uh, basically your father-in-law for a time, or stepfather-in-law, perhaps. But um, what? what why did you write that song for him? Was it a commission piece, or was it was it your idea no, for him? No, I, I I came up with the title first of all. I thought it'd be a great title for yes. a Johnny Cash song, and um, I got very drunk one night and before he he was came to London to do a show at Wembley <clears throat> Arena. He and June, yeah, June Carter, and. Um, I got very drunk one night, the night before his show, and started writing the song. And uh, and I thought I'd finished it, you know, in the small hours of the morning, but uh, it, I hadn't really. I'd really only got the first verse. I yeah. got one good verse. But Carlene, uh, Carlene had phoned up her mum, June, and yeah. said, oh, Nick's written this song for John. And so they came round to the house that, you know, on their way to Wembley to hear it, to hear this song. And of course it was disastrous. I had to play it to him in front of everybody, you know, <laughs> and it was, it was really awful. But he, 
even though I never wanted to hear this thing again after this very unpleasant experience, embarrassing experience, um, he uh, he said, "Look, you, you've really got something here. I, I think you, I think this is a really good thing." And I went, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I just wanted to see the back of him, you know. <laughs> um, but every time I saw him, he'd always ask me about this song. Uh, uh, Whenever I, um, on the occasions I saw him, yeah, and and uh, so I'd always mentally kind of get it out of the box, so to speak, you know, and 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 have a look at it. But I could never get any further than the first verse. And then, oh, one night I went to see him play at the Albert Hall, and he used to get me up to play with him, you know, to play on these uh, yeah. visits. And uh, one night we we're in the dressing room, deciding what we were going to play that night, and. Uh, he said, uh, "How's the how how's the beast in me going on?" I said, "Oh, John, you know, don't ask me about it. You know, I can't get any further with it. You know." And he said, "Oh, come on, you know, you can do something with this." And I went home and I finished it off. It was really, really amazing. It's about twelve years later. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, I finished this thing off, and um, and it sounds exactly, you know, it sounds like the first verse. You know, it sounds just like the first verse. In yeah. other words, it doesn't sound like half of it or two-thirds of it was written uh, 12 years later it's, a, it's really amazing so I sent it off to him and he recorded it yeah and, and you had some um, great success with your version of the song too of course thanks to the Sopranos yes yes I did yeah that was uh, that was great that they chose that <laughs> um, tell me uh, has there ever been um, a chance that Little Village might get back together again oh I don't think I don't think that's a goer. No, I, I, I'm still very much in touch with with Rye, uh, with Rye Cougar. I, 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 we're still, we're still, you know. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that long ago? Wasn't that long ago that you came down and played here together? Well, you say oh, it wasn't, it wasn't that, that long. No, ago, I know it was about eleven or twelve years ago, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, I think so. Yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it was still recent I don't think it's a goer because because uh, Keltner doesn't want to um, you know go on the yeah. road anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, and John's got his own thing going on, so I, I don't think I don't think that would happen. I mean, I know I know the record was no giant success at the time, and you know it didn't light the world on fire, but it, it, it seems to have gathered fans as the years have gone on. Well, I I I, I haven't heard it for I. I for a long, long time, that record. I, I don't think I've even got a copy, but wow. it, it, uh, I occasionally, <laughs> I occasionally speak to people who yeah. say that. Well, you know, I didn't think much of that when it came out, you know. But that, <laughs> as a matter of fact, is that not bad? Yeah, no. I mean, it's a fantastic record. I, I, I love it and still listen to it. But um, yeah, it's, oh, great. It, it's funny there. And and tell me, I mean, you, you're. I don't know if you'd describe yourself as prolific, but you keep busy. Like you've still got things you want to say. Where did the like, where do the songs come from? And I know it's your job, but why are you compelled to continue to put records out, to continue to work? <clears throat> well, I I, um, I don't do it in quite the same with quite the same sort of intensity as I used to because I think that's just just a, a thing part of getting older. You know, you you get well. In my case, I get much choosier. You know, I'm yeah. I. I when I write songs, you know, I think, oh, God, I've heard that before. You know, no, 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 don't do that again. <laughs> and uh, occasionally you'll get on one which you think is really good, you know, and you kind of surprise yourself. And it's a, 
curious thing, uh, songwriting, you know, because you, you don't really know how, it, how to turn it on or to turn it off. It just sort of ticks over all the time. There's just sort of a basic white noise <laughs> playing in your head all the time. And every so often something takes form and, um, and much of it isn't much good. You know, but occasionally, as I say, you get on one and, and it's really pretty good. Yeah. And I, I'll, I'll record it in nowadays. I do it with, uh, with the straight jackets. But we put out these EPs. You know, I think, I think I'm done with making a full length album. So I think that, that those days are gone. Yeah. I can't, they're, just, they're just so expensive to make. The kind of records that I, I know how to make, you know, when you play with real people in a real studio, that, that sort of thing. The, the public have gone off that sort of thing yeah. quite a lot now, I think. And uh, so I, I, I enjoy uh, our little bit of recording, but I really treat it really as, as a sort of business card. It's something to sell at the shows, yeah. and it demonstrates to people, you know, look, the shop is still open. You know, if anyone wants to wants to commission a tune or <laughs> wants something for their TV show or for their movie, you know, then this is the sort of thing that's going on at the moment. That was exactly the word I was going to use. I was going to say the little mini album or EP is very much like a business card these days. Tell, yeah. tells people that yeah. bus, business is still happening and you can you know you can contact me and this is where you'll find me this is what I'm up to yeah um, tell yeah. me tell me uh, what you know that early experience early on in your career basically being a, a, an in-demand house producer what did that teach you and help you in terms of making your own records uh, well um you never really stop, you know, stop learning about that sort of stuff. But I think, I think the, the, the my my career as a producer, which of course I don't really do anymore. I mean, I, I do my own records now, yeah. nowadays, but that, that that it's not exactly difficult to, to do that. Um, but I, I think in the old days, it took it taught me about how in, how to how to um, uh, because I could see both sides of the coin. You know, I was a I was a, a writer and, a, and, a, and a, a, an artist myself, but also because I was a producer, I used to hang around with the, the people in the boardroom, you know, as well. And uh, and I heard, I used to hear how they spoke about the, the artists, you know, which was always, which wasn't always, but was very often quite disparaging, you know. And <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. they, uh, uh yeah, they weren't always very kind, you know, to when the things they said about the artists. But uh, so it, it it gave me a very broad uh, um, idea of, of the whole of the music business, you know, because I think if you if, uh, a lot of artists just live in a little world, you know, of their uh, of their own, and um, they don't really know how they're being handled and you know how how it all works. So. I think I think that's the, that's what I got out of it. Mm-hmm. And you were you were recently um, your career has been honoured and memorialised in a, in the form of a biography, uh, "Cruel to Be Kind." Did you did you read the finished book? Or uh, I, that, I, ha- I haven't actually I haven't actually read it. No. <laughs> is it something you'll do? I mean, does that require some build up on your part? To... Um, I doubt very much. <laughs> I'll read it. If you haven't got a copy of Little Village, I can't see you reading a book about yourself. But I guess the next question is, will you sit down and write your version? Oh, I don't think so, no. I, I, I don't think so. You, you, uh, uh, it, 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 
I mean, it's so much stuff has happened to me that I, <laughs> I wouldn't really know how to start. Mm, mm. Well, you could write little, um, the book version of EPs. You could write little standalone <laughs> chapter books. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. You know, a little, a little, a little novella-length e-book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I think actually writing, uh, you know, sitting down and actually writing well is extremely difficult to do. I have tried it, but um, it, with writing a song is, is much, much easier because you can you can get away with so much more. You, you can suggest ideas, you know, uh, with uh, with music which you can't on the page you've mm. got to you, mm. you've got to put it down and make it clear and not too flabby and baggy you know and I guess I guess if all else fails with songwriting you can entertain yourself you can move off into simply playing you can develop and see if an idea develops and if you want to chuck it away you can you know another idea might come up through through riffing that's right yes yeah yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, um, best of luck for the shows and thank you for talking to me. It's, uh, it's a great pleasure to talk to you. I, I loved seeing you and Rye play and you've reminded me that it was, yeah, about 11 years ago now. Um, and so we're looking forward, yeah. looking forward to you in the straitjackets. Oh, thanks. Yeah, well, I hope you, I, I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we, we, we certainly, like, certainly enjoy doing these shows, yeah. Yeah, no, very much looking forward to it. Thanks, thanks heaps for your time and all the best uh, until we see you. Thanks so much for talking to me. I do appreciate it. Yeah, it was great. Thank you. Take care.